0: Awesome, well I'm excited today to continue our theme as it is in heaven as we lead in to Easter and the title of my message is Conquering Fear, Conquering Fear. God's desire is, ultimate desire is to see reconciliation between humanity and And Himself, that the grand plan of God is that He would see humanity step into freedom of the relationship that He desires to have with each and every one of us. That deeper than for us to have success here on earth, He's desiring us to walk with a heavenly perspective, that we would bring heaven to earth wherever we go. But you got to understand that in this plan, in this desire of God, there is an enemy at play. That there is an enemy that desires to do the exact opposite. In fact, will do whatever it takes to halt, to strategize, to distract, to disrupt, to try and pull away from the plans of God that God desires to have in your life. The, the, the breakthrough, the freedom, the hope, the intimacy that He desires to have with you. The enemy desires to, to do the opposite and try and pull that apart. We know this because the, we know the devil was kicked out of heaven because he tried to raise himself up to be above God, to have all the worship and all the praise and all the glory. And we know Scripture says as we exalt ourselves, God actually then humbles us. And this was the ultimate moment of humbling happening to the enemy as he was kicked out, locked out from all of eternity from heaven and could no longer dwell in that place. And from that place, he responds with a hatred towards God. You gotta understand, the enemy hates God. And the response to that would be likely, if you hate a father, the greatest thing you can do to come after him would be to attack his kids, would be to try and take out his kids. So he devoted himself in Revelation. We know that the devil knows that he has a short time, that he only has limited time for him to be able to try and disrupt God's plans as much as possible. And he knows the greatest way that he's going to attack and oppose God is by coming after his kids, coming after his children and try and break up that relationship. We know this in Ephesians 6, 10 to 12. It says, Finally, be strengthened by the Lord and by His vast strength, put on the full armour of God so that you can stand against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle, our wrestle, our fight, Is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against the cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil spiritual forces in the heavens. It takes a wise, mature Christian to acknowledge and understand that life isn't always coincidental, it's not always happenstance, it doesn't just organically happen, but there are spiritual forces at play that are trying to rob the call of God on your life, trying to rob the sanctity that God wants to bring into your marriage and into your home and into your family, that there are spiritual forces at play that are warring against, scheming against, trying to rob you from what He has for you. The Bible describes in 1 Peter 5, 8, what the devil's like. It says, be sober-minded, be alert. Your adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion. Looking for anyone he can devour. I know in my study of the text I have come a bit of a David Adibra, understanding how lions roll, how they pray, how they attack their 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 prey that they're looking for. And there's two common threads about the way lions uh, go about their business. The first, well, I mean the first one is they sleep 20 hours a day, which sounds like a great lifestyle. Sleep 20 hours a day, wake up, eat, go back to bed. Um but there's two ways that they go after it. The first one is lions always attack the weak. And I think spiritually, this represents for us here when we see the devil described like a roaring lion. He's looking for the spiritually mature, lukewarm, casual, passive, passive Christians who are walking around just playing the one foot in, one foot out, just kind of going through the motions of their faith and they don't have a deep richness and intimacy with God where they can be shaken at any turn and He's trying to come and take them out. The second thing's lion go for isn't just the weaker part of the pack. But they go for the old. They go for the fragile, the ones who maybe through life have have taken a few knocks and they don't seem to be as fast and and agile as the other pack. And for me this morning, that's not maybe a poke at who's here this morning about being old, but I think what it represents is in our hearts, we can on paper say, you know what? I've walked with God for 35 years. I've walked with God for 20 years. I've, I've been a part of church, been through different seasons, but we can be totally dead on the inside. We can be totally religious. We can just be playing the church game. And, and even though on the outside, we look like we have faith, we look like we believe in God, but on the inside, we know we're far from Him. I believe the enemy's looking for these two type of people. He's looking for wherever they're at in the different seasons, try and bring things around our world to try and rob us and pull us apart. We know in the Greek, the word devil is described and means as a slanderer. Or defaming is a master accuser of the brethren. Because we need to understand that to many believers, we're tricked into believing that the enemy's walking around carrying weapons and he's got different weapons in his arsenal that he's trying to throw our way you got to understand this morning, the devil doesn't have any weapons, but he does have a whisper. He does have a lying mouth that he wants to try and deceive you, accuse, slander, defame, try and pull down your reputation, try and undermine the call of God in your life, try and undermine the gifts that are on your life, try and undermine the anointing on your life, try and undermine the, the priestly and kingship that you are meant to call to have as a part of your home, to carry as a part of your family. He's trying to attack it and undermine it. The devil name in the Greek literally means the master of destroying you with his words. We see this in John 8, 44. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in truth because there's no truth in him. When he tells a lie, he speaks from his own nature because he is a liar, the father of lies. There's this awesome quote that says, fear is born of Satan. And if we would only take the time to think a moment, we would see that everything Satan is founded upon is falsehood. you got to understand that uh, in our lives, fear is real. Many of us may have walked through seasons where we had to make significant decisions. We had to adjust the way we were living, that there was uh, anxious thoughts that came across our path or entered our doorway, or we wrestled with certain things, or we struggle with certain things fear in and of itself isn't a false reality it's real it's present it's here in this day it's not something that we can just blow off and go oh, yeah that's just that's just nothing like we can just like like just ignore it like that. it's a very real thing and i don't want to undermine that or pull away from that or anything like that but when we look at something sometimes we try and address what's presented to us instead of going to the root of the issue where is that fear coming from where is it birthed from and we know that satan is a liar there's no truth that comes from his mouth. That whatever try and fear try and comes your way, that tries to pull you away or undermine you, maybe you've got dreams and desires on your heart that you know God's calling you to, but you've got fears about whether I should step out or not. You're hesitant, and those fears are trying to grip you and contain you and make you hesitant. The devil's a liar, and he wants to try and birth this falsehood in your life that you start to come into agreement with and partnership with, and then you start to live out and make decisions. Based on fear, not based on truth. I love this thought. It says in, um, it says when Satan's allure to tempt fails, he reverts to the tactic of instilling fear. Because he can't, if he can't carry you laughing all the way to hell through deception of pleasurable temptations, he'll try to make you mourn all the way to heaven. This is because he knows if he might not be able to stop you from going to heaven, but if he grips you with fear, he can stop you bringing others along as well. I love the encouragement found in Colossians two fourteen to fifteen. It says, "He erased the certificate of death with its obligations that was against us and opposed to us, and has taken it away by nailing it to the cross. He has disarmed the rulers and authorities and disgraced them publicly. He triumphed over them in Him." He can't form weapons that the cross has disarmed, but He can form lies that leave you deceived. The cross has disarmed Him. So the only power that we give the devil is when we believe Him. 1 John 4, 18 says, There is no fear in love. Instead, perfect love drives out all fear because love involves punishment. So the one who fears is not complete, In love, We had an incredible uh, lady attend our church in in this past season Um, and she actually uh, hadn't really grown up in church, wasn't really a part of it, but would probably been on a journey where things she'd engaged with was opening herself up to the spiritual realm and different things like that, going on a bit of a new age journey and um, she'd gone to the point where a lot of darkness and torment and different things had filled her life, even to the point of she was very aware, like I feel like demons are tormenting me. I've got demons attacking my life. I feel like there's a demon in my life, things like that. She ended up calling the only Christian she knew who lived on the Sunshine Coast, called them and said, hey, I feel like I need, I need prayer or something, I need help. Like, who do I go to? I feel like my life's just in absolute ruins. And um, this lady on the Sunshine Coast and said, oh, you're in Brisbane, uh, you should go to City Point because there's gonna be some people there who are gonna be able to stand with you in faith, believe with you and pray with you. And who's thankful that in our community, in our society, when there's friends talking and they say, man, you need freedom, their response is, man, you should go to City Point because there's some faithful people there. There's people who can stand with you in faith, believe for breakthrough, actually stand with you and believe that you don't have to live bound anymore. She came in at a 10-15 service just like this, walked in the doors. She She was riddled with fear, anxiety, wrestling with some stuff. She ended up standing um, and, and standing with our prayer team. Our prayer team was able to pray with her and stand with her during the service. And um, what we ended up seeing was we ended up seeing the, the demon actually manifest and come out. She was vomiting, coughing it up, totally manifesting it, her eyes were rolling back. But you know, in that moment, she got totally set free. That anxiousness lifted off her life, the demon left and she was totally free, totally free. Why is that? It's because perfect love casts out all fear. It means when fear comes and presents itself to perfect love, perfect love wins every time. That the, the fear cannot stand when Christ is in the room. When you have Christ and the Holy Spirit and His authority in your world, it means fear that tries to come and consume you cannot stand. I remember this other time, it was, um, it was after one of our services, I think I'd just done the, um, the lead moment, like just praying for people and um, believing for people to receive their miracle and... I'd gotten off platform. I was walking around the back just to find my seat. There's a gentleman at the back, just kind of near the pole there. And um, he was just, he just looked like one of the, he was just tripping. You could tell he was tripping. I don't know if he was on drugs or what the deal was, but um, I just, I kind of walked past him and just engaged him a little bit to make sure he was okay. Cause he didn't, he didn't look like he was in his right mind, things like that. Um, so I just went up and, and checked if he was okay. Um, and as he looked at me, he freaked out. Like his, his eyes just like bugged out. He freaked out. And then kind of just like grabs my like arm and goes like, who are you? And I was like, "Uh, Chris, like who are you? You know what I mean? Like I'm I'm kind of tripping out a little bit. Um, But he's like, no, 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 you don't understand. Um, I've been in a psychosis um, the last 48 hours. I kind of stumbled into the church building and found myself at the back of the auditorium. And the moment I caught eyes with you, I felt the psychosis totally lift and it was totally gone. You know, in that moment, we were able to preach the Gospel to him, pray for him, believe that his life would turn around. But you know what that showed me? It showed me that perfect love casts out all fear. It doesn't matter what you're wrestling with. It doesn't matter if you're going through uh, deep stuff in your soul. When perfect love arrives in the room, when there are believers who realise who they carry, it doesn't matter what war rocks up, what demon from hell rocks up on your doorstep, you know you have the authority to push back darkness. Amen. Am I doing okay? That was good. Got a clap. That's nice. (laughs) Two Timothy one seven. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and sound judgment. This passage tells me that when fear comes our way, we can quickly assess this is not from God. God has not given me a spirit of fear. So fear can be very present in our world. It can be a reality. It can be a reality. We can be wrestling with it and struggles there and different things we have to journey, journey through that can cause torment and anxiousness and worry and concern. But for us, it's establishing from the outset, although it's present, it's not from God which means I don't have to partner with it. I don't need to come into alignment with it. I don't need to agree with it. In fact, it's not even welcome here. I can actually like resist it and push it back. Our fight in the Spirit is always fought on the battleground of truth and deception, fear and faith. This is the battleground, the warfare where everything goes down. It's between truth and deception, fear and faith. And the only power that He has to harm you is when you believe Him. The only power He has to harm you is when you believe Him. Because we don't need to repent from behaviour. We need to repent from unbelief. Sometimes we think we need to repent because we made a mistake again. and It's over and over. It's a perpetual cycle. Things that we can't seem to shake, can't seem to wrestle through. But for us today, it's it's not about going, okay, I I need to try and habitually break that thing off, like do a 30-day plan or anything like that. It's about me going, okay, I'm gonna choose, I'm gonna to decide to redirect, change what I come into agreement with. Am I going to come into agreement with the lie that's been spoken to me? Or am I gonna come into agreement with the truth of the Word of God? Change the way I think. I love all through Scripture. God speaks powerfully many, many times about to His people and to us through Scripture as promises of don't be afraid, of do not fear, of you can actually live with these promises. And I love all through the Old Testament, in every book of the Old Testament, there are promises spoken by God in His Word, in His Scripture, from the prophets speaking to the people, saying, do not be afraid, you don't need to fear. It's a powerful thing. We see it through every single book of the Old Testament. God is releasing this idea that we don't need to live in fear. I thought this morning, I'd love to just read through just one of the verses of every single, just a snapshot of every single book in the Old Testament that I want you to receive this morning. There might be one here that you're like, that word's for me, that's a promise for me. I'm gonna receive that in my heart today. But in Genesis, it says, Don't be afraid because I am your shield. In Exodus, it says, don't be afraid, stand firm. Because on this day, you'll never see your enemies again. In Leviticus, it says, it's gonna give you peace and you have nothing to be afraid of. In Numbers, it says, you don't need to fear your enemies. In Deuteronomy, it says, be courageous. Don't be afraid, the Lord is with you. And Joshua, you, nothing will stand against you. You need to not be afraid. And Judges says, walk in peace and don't be afraid. And Ruth, it says, your character will make a way for you. You, have, you do not need to be afraid. And 1 Samuel It says, don't be afraid, even in your darkest moments, but run to God. In 2 Samuel it says, don't be afraid for the grace of God covers a multitude of sins. In 1 Kings it says, don't be afraid. In 2 Kings it says, don't be afraid. There is more of us than there is of them. In 1 Chronicles it says, don't be afraid or discouraged, but be strong. In 2 Chronicles it says, don't fear. This battle belongs to the Lord. Someone here today, your battle belongs to the Lord. In Ezra even when they surround us, I can give an offering to the God and not be afraid. In Nehemiah, I don't need to be afraid, but I can remember who God is in Esther. I don't need to fear, but I can take courage on the call of God in my life. In Job, I can stand firmly established and not be afraid. In Psalm, even when I'm in the darkest valley, for those who are in the darkest valley today, you can fear no evil. In Proverbs, do not fear. But trust in God and have a peaceful sleep. I'd love a peaceful sleep, I tell you that much. In Ecclesiastes, till he's only fear God, but keep his commandments and song of songs. Equip yourself so you won't fear. In Isaiah, do not fear. Here's your strength and song. In Jeremiah, don't be afraid, for the Lord will rescue you in lamentations. Do not be afraid. In Ezekiel, do not fear your enemies. In Daniel, don't be afraid. In Hosea, don't be afraid. In Joel, do not fear. In Amos, Let God, your fearing God be your right response in Obadiah. Who's ever preached out of Obadiah? I tell you that much. No one has. Well, you're about to hear it this morning. In Obadiah, do not fear your enemies. They will tremble. In Jonah, do not fear, but run towards the Lord's presence. In Micah, do not be afraid. The Lord has spoken. In Naanam. Do not fear, but celebrate that your enemy is defeated. In Habakkuk, do not be afraid, for God is doing something significant before your eyes. In Zephaniah, do not fear. In Haggai, don't be afraid for the spirits among you. In Zechariah, resolve to do good for his house. Don't be afraid. In Malachi, do not fear. The Lord will bring justice. I need a sweat towel after that. My gosh. That was enough scripture for the next decade. You just, that's it. It's all there. What I love is this sets us up to go, am I going to believe the lie or the truth? Because the truth is plain. It's right there for us to receive. So we decide, am I going to come into agreement with the lie that God's been, that the enemy is trying to throw my way or the promises of his scripture? In Romans eight fifteen it says, for you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back. Interfere. Instead, you receive the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. God has not brought you this far. He hasn't set you free. He hasn't healed you of that diagnosis. He hasn't brought a, a, a sound mind around your world. He hasn't restored your marriage. He hasn't brought your prodigal son home. He hasn't brought you this far for you simply to fall back in fear, to fall back to the old patterns, to fall back in what the enemy's trying to do. But you can actually stand and say, you know what, I don't have a spirit of fear. I got the spirit of adoption. I'm a child of God. I'm a son of God. I'm the righteousness of Christ. And when fear comes my way, I can resist it. This is the God we serve. This is the God we serve. I love the Hebrew word for fear is you're up. And this is a powerful word because what it's translated to is awe. The word in Hebrew means awe. What does this mean? Well, it's described in different ways, in a reverential way, in an awe-inspiring way, but also described in a way of worship. And I think this exposes something for us this morning about how God views fear and why He relentlessly, violently, Um, unapologetically declares over His people and over you that you shouldn't have fear in your life, you shouldn't be afraid, but actually just trusting God is because God knows your fear is attached to your worship. God knows that when you fear, what takes place is a redirection of who you're worshipping. What takes place is instead of your worship and your fear being on the Lord and your reverence towards Him, it begins to shift towards your circumstance. It begins to shift to what's maybe robbing your mindset. It begins to shift to the circumstance around your world and you begin to not even realise it, but you begin to build an idol where you're, the heart is being worshipped because that's where your fear is. In Hebrew, they understood, in the Jewish culture, they understood that when God said, fear the Lord, What they were saying is place your reverence and your worship solely on God. This is why God wants to establish this because it directs your worship. What you fear is who you worship. I love this. It says often and it even goes as far to say that this kind of level of fear when we understand this causes a great trembling. And it's powerful when we can come humbly low before the Lord, understand His power, His might and who He is you know, the enemy will try and come and siege our minds with lies, thoughts. Because he knows the gateway of our mind is the entry point to our heart. And he knows if I can get into their heart, I can begin to cause territory and real estate in their life and start to pull them away and dismantle their relationship with God and pull them away in addiction and sin and shame and guilt and unbelief and anxiousness and suicidal thoughts. He'll try and siege through your gate, the gate of your mind. And if you can just place a seed of doubt, a seed of unbelief, a seed of thought in there that, that instead of going, you know what, that I have got that thought. But instead of taking a captain, submit it unto the obedience of Christ. We begin to fester on it, think about it, grow on it. And before too long, we start to believe the narrative and believe the lie that that has come straight from the pits of hell. And now we're starting to walk it out, make decisions based on it, start to live our life on it, walking even in a body language, hunched over and not confident in who we are because we start to believe a lie. Every time we give in to a temptation, we're not released from the pressure, but rather we reinstill the pattern. Neurologically, pathways are formed even where we begin to reinstill a pattern and we can't seem to break it off because we've given into the temptation time and time again. You know, the spirit of fear and the spirit of the enemy comes as a counterfeit spirit, it's counterfeit to the Holy Spirit. It tries to offer what the Holy Spirit can offer in your life, but we know it's counterfeit and it's false. We see people who come into partnership and alignment and agreement with the demonic realm, with spirits of, of, of darkness can even to the point of be living in a place where they become possessed by, by demons and possessed by a demon. And we see this as a counterfeit spirit because we know when someone is possessed by demonic forces in a counterfeit way, when you are possessed by the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit dwells on the inside of you, God will give you life. God actually gives you life. But when you are possessed by darkness, it actually takes your life. You get totally robbed. On the other side, there's possession but there's also oppression or oppression where in the same way when we're baptised in the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit comes upon us and gives us power the enemy offers a counterfeit spirit that looks the same but in oppression that comes upon your life he actually takes your power and tries to rob you away This is what the enemy tries to do. He tries to, if he does, can't possess us, he'll try and come on to press us, sit on us, weigh on us, so we can't seem to think clearly, we can't seem to sleep at night, we wrestle with different things, we can't seem to shake it off. In other words, every time you're tempted in your mind, the enemy tries to siege and approach the gate of your heart till you're faced with breaking point. But how do we overcome? How do we push it back? How do we stand strong? No matter what the world says, no matter what the current climate of the day says, that we don't have to live in fear, but we can trust our life is in God's hand. We can trust His church is in, is in God's hands. How do we overcome? Well, there's two passages that correlate that I find amazing freedom in. in the first one is Romans 12.1. It says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, in the view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, this is your true worship. The other passage is in Revelation 12:11. "They conquered him, this is the devil. They conquered the devil. How? By the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. For they did not love their lives to the point of death. There is beautiful correlation between these two scriptures when our fear is in the right place. It means our worship is in the right place. But what does it describe true worship as? It describes it as a life laid down. It describes it as being a living sacrifice. And this is why. is because Satan can only threaten what you haven't surrendered. Any part of your heart, your life, your business, your marriage, your relationship, your ki- different things like that, any part you haven't surrendered to God and given into His hands. And so God, I'll submit to you in these areas of my life, actually give you this space to operate in. Any parts that you haven't given, the enemy's trying to find a way in. He's trying to find a way that he can start to take ground, try and actually twist thoughts, manipulate, deceive, rob you from your destiny, rob you from your calling, rob you from the prosperity that God wants to bring you away, rob you from the success God wants to bring you away, rob you from the health and and favour that God wants to bring you away. He's just trying to find a way in. The reason is, is because The enemy can't steal what I've already given away. If I've given my life to God, the enemy can't touch it. But any part that I try and hold for myself because I think I'm smarter than God, funny thought, but it's funny how often we fall into that trap and think we have a better idea. Any part of my life that I've allowed the enemy to have real estate in, territory in, sit in that room of my home, of my heart, That's where the threat comes. That's where the lies come from. But you see, it's the cross that disarms. It's because of the cross and the resurrection, the devil has been totally disarmed. He has no weapons. But you know what our testimony does? It reminds the devil that that has happened. That the testimony of our life, that we get up today and say, Today's the day that I'm favored, I'm anointed, I'm gonna walk in breakthrough today. The Prince of God is upon my life, that doesn't matter what giant tries to come my way, I'm gonna cut its head off, no matter what mountain tries to come, I'm gonna make it move, and I'm not gonna allow anything to come my way. Our testimony puts the devil back in his place. I'm gonna remind you of the blood of Jesus, I'm gonna remind you of when you healed my body. I'm going to remind you of when you set me free from addiction. I'm going to remind you when you set me free from insecurities. I'm going to keep you in your place. The most powerful thing is when we're resisting the devil, when fear comes our way to try and rob us, it's not like we're eye contact with it. In fact, we know that in fact, when we talk to the devil, he's actually beneath our foot. And God has placed him there until the final day when He uses it to crush the devil's head. I'm gonna read this quote that says this, it is better to make a thousand failures than to be cowardly to ever undertake anything. I wonder what fear of failure has stopped you. I wonder what things that even entrepreneurial, you, you feel like, man, there's something I feel like God's asking me to do. I feel like I need to step out and do that. Follow that, that rabbit hole of where God, I don't really know what it looks like yet, but I just wanna go down that path. But the fear of maybe like failing or stumbling or embarrassing yourself or holding you back, has bent you towards, ah, maybe I just won't do it. Maybe I'll just resist, maybe I'll hold back. I don't don't wanna, don't wanna do that. And now we're starting to make decisions based on fear, not on faith. But I love in Romans 16, 20, it says, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. You know, the Lord needs a fearless church. He needs a church that unites together, stands together and says the only fear that's allowed in our house is fear of the Lord. That will be a church that worships the King, that puts our reverence back here. I'm not going to fear circumstance. I'm not going to fear marriage breakdown. I'm not going to fear financial stress. I'm only going to fear the Lord. And no matter what comes around my world, I'm going to keep my eyes on Him until the day that I get glorified and go into glory for all of eternity, because I'm a conqueror. You're a conqueror. You can conquer fear. If we little close our eyes, that'd be awesome. Hey, maybe you're here for the first time. You've been coming a little while. Maybe you call City Point home. This is your family. You've been coming for the last couple of decades. But you're here, and you're like, man, I feel like that's me. I've let fear come in. I've let things rob rob my situation. I've started to partner with thoughts which I know aren't from God, but I just keep believing them and it's caused me to feel distant from Him. Maybe you're here and you've never made this decision, but you're like, man, if, that, if that's the God that you're talking about, that's the Jesus you're preaching about, that's the Jesus I want and I want to say yes today. Or maybe you're here and you're like, man, I, I know I love God, but I feel distant from Him right now. I feel like I've pulled away. I feel I've like had fear in my heart, different things in my world that have been robbing me. If you're either one of those people, maybe you're the third person, you're not totally sure you'll say it. But you want to know when you walk out those doors today, no matter what comes your way, you know your eternity is rest assured in Him. If that's you on the count of three, for the very first time, you don't have to understand everything. You don't have to be perfect. You just have to say yes and let the Holy Spirit come and dwell in your life. If that's you, you want to say yes to Jesus. I'm not going to embarrass you. I just love to acknowledge you so I can pray for you. So I'd love you on the count of three. If that's you, you want to say yes to Jesus for the first time, Or recommitment. I'd love you to shoot your hand up really high, just so I can acknowledge you and pray with you on the count of three. One, two, three. Just shoot up your hands. Yeah, incredible decision. Amazing decision. Amazing, 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 amazing. Wave it really high. Incredible decision. Come on, just as I look from left to right, incredible decision. Yeah, incredible, incredible, incredible. Just as I look one last time from left to right, I don't want to miss anyone. This is your moment. This is your moment. Yeah, incredible decision in the middle, incredible, incredible. Wow, 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 wow. Hey, if we will stand, that'd be awesome. Hey, maybe you uh, got your hand the whole way up or you didn't get it the whole way up, but you know, hey, this moment, is for me I feel like I want to take that next step discover what it means to follow Jesus easiest way to do that keep coming back to church we're on every week three services a week find a service that suits you uh there is a community here that wants to walk life on life with you and see so you step into living freer fear uh, are free and not walking in fear second thing is go get locked into a life group. We have literally the greatest life group leaders in the history of the planet in the room and they wanna connect with you and help you get locked in to what it looks like to follow Jesus. So go chat to our team at the lounge. They're gonna get locked into that so you can find a community that helps walk with you. Third thing is do the growth track. Couple of week course you can do across the year that helps you discover what it means to live like Christ. Can we celebrate every decision here? Incredible.